Hey friends, just quickly, my new book, The Proof is in the Plants, is now available. Get it from plantproof.com forward slash book. Thanks so much for all your ongoing support, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I think everything you do, you've got to want to do it yourself. Ask questions, get advice, take what you need to take in and filter that yourself and then trial it. You've just got to understand that you're doing something for you. I do think though it does come down to having the right support. If someone disagrees with what you're doing and how you view, you know, the world and the food and animals, etc., just take a step back and go, okay, well that's your opinion. This is something that I want to try because there's always people out there that are willing to help. And I think you can always tap into different resources and the amount of opportunity we have now with social media and the ability to touch base with people that are willing to help, it's extremely easy, but it it will take time. So I, I say, give it a go, embrace it, but don't expect quick fixes. Just enjoy the journey because you will see benefits. That's Collingwood AFL footballer, Chris Main. And this is episode 86 of the Plant Proof Podcast. Hey friends, hope you're well, healthy, and enjoying life. For all of the regular listeners, welcome back. Your unwavering support for this show is phenomenal, and and I really do look forward to being back here with you each week. For new listeners, my name is Simon Hill. I'm the host of this show, The Plant Proof Podcast, physiotherapist, nutritionist, and currently writing a book on nutrition or trying to when, when I don't have 1,000 things running through my mind with, with Penguin, which will be published in 2020. I live in, in Bondi in Sydney, Australia, but I'm regularly traveling around the world and, and, and have the privilege of sitting down with incredible guests, doctors, athletes, nutritionists, people paving the way in the space of healthy living and in particular healthy eating, to have conversations that help clear the confusion. You really only have to sit down with your friends or family and and see how confused we are when it comes to what we should eat. And to be honest, I get it. I completely get it. It's, It's completely understandable as to why this is the case. Our environment is conducive to exactly this. This confusion exists from things like conflicting headlines, dietary guidelines and and food labelling that have been influenced by the food industry for decades, the amount of conflicting messages online from from people selling e-books who do not have your health as their priority and so forth. But what's really important and really, really important to understand is that despite this confusion, The science is not confused. The science is very, very clear. And that's why I was inspired to to start this show and, and why I've continued with it. Episode by episode, helping you understand what healthy eating is so you can reshape your understanding just like I have and confidently make changes to your plate that genuinely improve your health. No signing up, no agendas, no expensive ebooks, just information that you can listen to, digest, and then decide whether it's something you'd like to explore further in your own life. 
Today's guest is professional AFL footballer Chris Main, who currently plays for the biggest team in the competition, Collingwood, who I just happen to support. So I'm a little biased. In the past few years, Chris has been absolutely flying, becoming a regular player, taking his game to to a new level. He really has. And what's even more impressive is that Chris has taken his game to this next level, eating a exclusively plant-based diet, a move he made about five years ago with his partner, Britt, which really has proved to be very successful. In this exchange, you'll, you'll hear Chris and I go through the ups and downs of his career, how he's managed his mental health through intense public scrutiny, why he was inspired to change his diet, what his diet looks like, including supplementation, how the change to his nutrition has affected his performance as a professional athlete, what his teammates and and club dietitians and doctors think of him being plant-based, what it's like having a baby girl that he and his wife plan to raise vegan, and much, much more. Chris really is a ripper bloke with a huge heart. I hope you enjoy this exchange. I'll see you on the other side. Chris Main, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. We've been chatting about having this conversation for a while now, sort of been trying to work out a time that fits in with your season, of course, and also me coming down to Melbourne. But just as as we were talking about before, I think it's now more timely than ever that we're having this conversation with you being a a plant-based professional athlete here in Australia and the Game Changers movie having just come out, which has inspired so many people to, to start looking at this new way of eating, particularly men who, you know, historically, and, and there's, a, there's lots of stereotypes out there, probably haven't identified with this as a way that you can eat and also perform at the top level. Yeah, I think, you know, especially all the players that I've played with, you know, close mates, it's been a bit of an eye-opener for them and Something that's obviously taken in a, in a caption of a documentary, you know, a couple of hours, but it's allowed them to then go, oh, okay. And it's just that thought of, oh, it can be done and how it can be done and then looking at the evidence and, you know, other people doing it, especially like the high-profile athletes that are on there, it's just made them then ask me questions and, yeah, the amount of play, people that have kind of tapped into what I've been doing and, and then trying it out for themselves. So I think I've been a big believer on, you know, I'll do me. Mm. And you do you. And if you like what I'm doing, jump on board. If not, like I'm not going to kind of hound you to be a part of it. It's just do what's best for you. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice approach. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. What's great about the movie and and great about you is that you are a living example that it can be done. And and then someone, if they're interested, can go away and at least have the confidence that there's people out there doing it. I can go away and get informed and, and perhaps try it out for myself and see if it works. Yeah, I definitely think the challenge that a lot of people face is like ever since you were younger, it's that you've kind of grown up with something and it's this is how it's kind of meant to be. And then something that's new, it's people see it as this oh, abomination. It's like, what the hell, vegan, who wants to do that kind of thought process without just, just taking a step back, open your eyes, see it for yourself. It's nothing more than eating food like you know it's this 
stereotype of being vegan. It's like you tell someone you're vegan and, or you're a plant-based athlete and it's like, whoa, can't believe that. That's, that's not right. So to hack, be able to actually just do that for myself, my partner, you know, her family, we've just seen benefits and changes and something that's worked for me. So like all the players or, you know, friends that speak to me about it, you know, I kind of just say what I do and then they kind of take it upon themselves. They want to try it out for themselves or not. But you get a lot of obviously doctors and nutritionists out there that still will kind of rebut against you. And I think without having the right help or support from either a partner, you know, mum and dad, it does become pretty challenging, um, especially not knowing kind of how to eat or what to eat or when you go out cafes, restaurants, you know, it, it can become a bit daunting, but it's very, very simple. Mm. Um, and that's probably that what I try and put on to, you know, or talk about with my friends and, and family. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to unpacking what it's like behind closed doors and within the four walls of the Collingwood Football Club in terms of the way that you fuel yourself and and how that's been perceived over previous years and, and perhaps how that conversation is now starting to change. You, you mentioned there that you've had the support of your family, um, your partner and, and, and your parents. What was it that inspired you initially and when was it to, to look at your diet and to make changes? Yeah, so 2016, playing at Frio in my last year, we were looking at ways to, I think, you know, looking back at the time, it was, you know, we were transitioning into a plant-based diet at that stage coming across to Collingwood. And, you know, for us, you know, we love animals and we'd kind of, these things kept popping up on social media and Facebook about how animals are treated and it kind of was like, well, didn't really think of it like that before and you didn't really put the connection from, you know, supermarket to your plate or to how it all kind of really unfolded. So for us it was really how animals are treated and then it was the next step, well, you know, I'm coming into my later part of my career, how can I, you know, get better? And we looked at my diet and my partner was the driver for that and she did a lot of research and looked into everything and, you know, we went from a small transition to then, you know, straight away being plant-based and and when I first got to Collingwood, I think it was like the first part of the pre-season, I'd made the transition of being vegetarian probably to vegan pretty quickly, you know, cutting out eggs and that's probably my last step was that and I never really looked back. So from that moment on, getting the first kind of pre-season at Collingwood, it was the transition and then um, have been plant-based athlete ever since. And I think for us, doing it together was really important because, you know, we supported one another and it was easy for me because like I'm going out and training and stuff and then coming home and I'd have like, yeah, I'd mm. have Brit kind of putting up a nice meal to eat and stuff like that. So it definitely helps when you have someone supporting Absolutely. you. So when you did come over to, to Collingwood and you'd you'd moved to that sort of vegetarian diet at the start and, and no doubt you sat down with club dietitian, I presume, or even the doctor and, and, and went through what your diet was like. How was that, how was that sort of received by them? Funny enough, like really good. Our nutritionist, Sam, she was more about just how she can help me and, you know, make me better in, in my version of what I saw, the way I wanted to kind of go down my path of my plant-based diet. And so she was really good. She sourced out a lot of plant-based kind of proteins and stuff like that. So I was really happy with, with that support. And then having the doctor as well, he was you know, really good. We've had two doctors at the time, Chris Bradshaw and, and Ruben, that have been really good. Um, they haven't really had an issue with what I kind of go about. They focus purely on the sports side of it and making mm. sure I'm fit and healthy out in the oval. But 
I would have seen the difference probably in the playing groups, I reckon. Being at Freo, I probably would have copped a lot more, you know, crap amongst mm. the players. I think obviously having a, a better relationship with that group at the time, I reckon I would have copped a... Mm. People a would fair, have felt a bit more comfortable to sort of... Yeah, that would, that a bit have, more banter. They would have heckled. <laughs> they definitely would have heckled. You know, Ballas would have been one. He would have given it to me in his own way, which... He seems like a real character. Yes, definitely. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll still cop it from every now and then. But, you know, I remember playing the boys during the years and they would, you know, say vegan and stuff like that out in the oval and it just gets a smile out of my face. doesn't bother me whatsoever. But, you know, becoming closer with the with my brothers at Collingwood, they're really good. They've got a little bit of banter here and there, but, you know, funny enough, they actually love talking about it. They dive into curious. it. Very curious. And to be able to see the transition probably at the club as well, like, you know, I, having almond milk at the club for my for my personal self and, you know, it used to be one carton and now there's like eight. So, so. you're starting to see the little trickle effect. Yeah, like the brown rice, brown rice proteins gone <laughs> up. There's more buckets of that now. So That's awesome. Um, players that have... Have spoken to me and and um, wanted to change little things, but as I said to most of them, like they will happily have a, a yarn about it and a talk and and talk about kind of every aspect and cop a little bit of you know heckling here and there. But you know, I've always said to them, like, look, I'll just do me. If you want to ask something about it, you know, jump on board. If not, no stress. Like I yeah. don't really mind. I can't. I can sit there and happily you eat your lunch, I'll eat mine. I'm I'm yeah, not bothered in that regard. Yeah, which I think is a is a, a great way to do it, particularly in the environment of a, an AFL football club. No, it's, it's, a, it's a great environment. It's definitely very, you know, very loving, very supporting there. Um, there's no issues and no qualms with kind of what I eat and how I go about my business. Get a lot of support from, from players and, um, you know, from the staff there. Perhaps for the international listeners because they, they I mean, some of them may have seen AFL football and, and they often – think it's a crazy sport because it is very physical it's a it's a very physical sport there's a lot of strength components there's endurance your your training loads are very high and you don't get much time off through the year maybe paint the picture of what it actually what is involved in being a professional Australian rules footballer the way I kind of look at it you know there's 52 weeks in a year pretty much for most of us depending on how your off season kind of goes you nearly you're pretty much having two weeks off where you kind of don't do anything and then the rest of the 50 weeks you're training, you know, pretty much if not every day, every second day. Whether that's running, you know, weights, you know, um, CrossFit kind of style. So you've, you've got a lot of output that's going out to getting the body prepared for the season. So in that kind of time, you're looking at everything that you can do basically to, to help yourself with the recovery and, you know, that's where food comes in, diet, but also, you know, obviously the hot colds, massage, you know, Pilates, et cetera. So you, you've got a full year of really putting your body to the stress mm. to then recover each day and go again, go again. How tough is it to, to back that up, every, you know, week in, week out? Well, the way I look at it is in my, obviously I've got nine years at Freo, but in my last probably couple of years, I was living off like the moon pants recovery style off of like inferential ultrasound, you know, a lot of physio work. And then after like a training session or game to get myself up, especially after games, I was finding like coming off a Saturday game, I wouldn't really feel great until probably Friday. Now that's me as an individual. Heaps of individuals out there could say, well, that's just you. And I'd go, yep, no worries. That was me. That's why I looked at, well, what am I consuming? And I saw like obviously eating a lot of, you know, whether it was whatever that we would have after game, burgers, pizzas, 
pastas and stuff like that. I was like, there must be inflammation going into my body because I'm already inflamed as it is. And that's something that Britt looked at as well. So that's why, you know, a lot of turmeric and ginger and stuff that I have in a lot of my meals now that I was like, well, let's change that thing. And that gives me 1% better. And great. Mm. So then after games, you know, from 17 onwards, I'd find that I'd play on a sad day and I'd be up and running on the Monday. So my tr- change of being able to get ready in 48 hours compared to, you know, five days was completely different. I have more output during the week. I'd be able to do more things, tick over the body. And a were bit you noticing this fairly quickly or very this, quickly? Yeah, wow. yeah. This happened straight away, pretty much for me, which was pretty, you know, incredible in my mind. Because mm. then sometimes you're like, is it? Yeah, because you must have had really? a bit of doubt, right? Because you know, I mean, obviously, Britt was doing the research for mm. you, but like you said before, we're such a product of our environment, and that you know, we're, we're brought up that that meat is muscle and, yeah. and animal products are protein and you're being paid to perform at the top level, right, in a sport that requires strength, requires insurance, yeah. requires muscle recovery. Mm. You must have in the back of your mind been thinking, geez, I hope this works. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm definitely not one of the strongest at the club and all the boys would have a laugh saying that I don't do weights. I, I, I walk in and stare at them and walk out. <laughs> I'm starting to get a bit better in that regard. I do a lot of my work in the off-season. When it's the season comes, it's all about maintain. But, um, yeah, there's, um, there's points where you, you you sit there and you kind of think, you know, is it because of my diet? Am I recovering faster? Am I able to maintain weight? Like the biggest thing that I saw with my weight was I would fluctuate anywhere between, you know, 80 and 89 within like weeks where I would be like, oh, I'm, I'm on the heavier side, I better – rain in for the next couple of weeks and I literally, without knowing it at the time, I'd be plant-based. Like I would go to salads and stuff like that and I'd be like, yep, sweet. You know, I've lost- Naturally higher volume, lower calorie food. Yeah, lost five kilos. All right, now I can go back to what I was doing before. Oh, I've put on an extra couple of kilos again. So for the last three years, I've sat between 84 and 86 for three years without moving and it's just stayed the exact same. Skin folds have always been, you know, 40 and under, you know, percent body fat's always been great in the last three years. So without those fluctuations and massive changes, I think it allows me to always be able to train probably at the best of my ability as well. So, you know, three years at, at Collingwood and, and I've barely missed a training session, you know, and only missing only missing a couple of games this year through just an, you know, unfortunate incident where I broke me back in a couple of the um, transverse planes. So, and even then, like being able to get back in three weeks' time, which made me feel like... Was it because of my diet or was it because I'm a strong believer in my body healing itself? Like it's, yeah, without me probably diving into the science of it all myself personally, you know, I, I sit there sometimes going, it has to be. And then I think the, the brain's so powerful. Once you believe in something and, and you grab a hold of it and you feel that it's definitely working for you. But like even then just my mind starts ticking over why after a meal I wouldn't feel heavy or I wouldn't feel yuck sitting on the couch. Like I'd feel like I could eat more and more and then I'd train harder and then eat more, train harder and eat more. So, but again, yeah, that's that personally, that's how I feel benefits me come, you know, season, mm. not be able to miss trainings, keeping fit and healthy and doing all the right things when it comes to recovery and, and at the club. So, so things are, are certainly going very well for you now, and, and and I mean the last couple of years, even though Collingwood hasn't hasn't won the the premiership as a club, they've performed exceptionally well and and made huge improvements. But if we wind back the clock, you know your your first year was no doubt a, a challenge at Collingwood from a uh, an on field perspective, and, and no doubt probably off field pressures. 
before that, what was the, what was the I guess the motivation or the desire to to make the change from, and move from from Western Australia to to Melbourne? Yeah, so when I met my partner back in fifteen, beginning of that year, we spent the whole. Well, we've known each other for like ten years. I played cricket with her brother, and I've known of her mum and dad. And she from um, both Western from Australia. yeah, both from Perth. So yeah. I've, I've grown up kind of knowing their family, and it was a. She'd come back from New York and I'd stalked her on social media and found a way to go out with her. And then we spent the next few days together before she went back to Sydney because she was working there at the time. And and after a few months, she'd pulled the pin and, and come back to Perth. And I, you know, I think to give us a chance. And from that moment on, we kind of have been, you know, together and striving and moving forward and recently had our first, you know, little girl. Yes, and congratulations. So thank you. So coming across... I think for us it was based around me living my dream still and being out and for her to live her dream as well. You know, there's a lot going on with footy, with 3-0, the transition of the club and and then it's us. a small town, right? And and you're you're under the microscope over there, you know, being just two clubs in such a such a footy focused town. Yeah, well, you know, being us in West Coast, the you know, the media's always across everything. So for me, the whole year being out of contract, I, you know, had the idea that I was seeing what Freud want to do, but also was open to what else was happening everywhere else. And my manager, Colin Young, um, who's I believe is the best in the business, he's been amazing throughout my whole career of always having a plan in place. And he was across everything of what was going on that year. And we had a few clubs that were really interested in Melbourne. So to have that interest and then also what Freo was going on and then to see how the year panned out, I was like, well, wasn't a great year, didn't win many games. I feel like there's going to be a transition now. I feel like the younger kids are going to get played a lot to get that next kind of generation coming. So I was like, well, where am I going to sit within that? You know, I don't really want to be going and playing waffle. Yeah, so where can you go and get more opportunity? Where could I go? More opportunity, play a part of a club that I felt was going to have finals kind of success still or, or take that next step and and also allowing Brit to live her dream. You know, she's oh. modelled ever since she was, you know, 13 years old, even not younger and for her – work was more opportunist here in Melbourne. So. Yeah, I can see how that's important. Yeah, so we had the idea of, well, let's be open-minded to what else was happening and but also, you know, if Freo really wanted to keep me, then then they would have they would have put up a really good offer to keep a hold of me. But I felt that, you know, their offer wasn't bad, but there was better offers out there that were going to not only support me and my future, um, were going to give me more years and allow Brit to live hers. So we decided at the time that Collingwood, once I'd had the chat with my manager and then, you know, got to meet, you know, Bucks and and the rest of the club. I was, you know, looked at the list. So did you come down and do a bit of a tour of, of Collingwood facilities before? Yeah, so we came over pretty much once the season finished, went into the boardroom, got to meet, you know, Bucks and a few other people in charge and then looked through the club and I looked at already the list and I was really confident that that list had not the possibility of playing finals footy if not playing a grand final. and Which you ended up doing. Funny enough, we did. So... I was like, yep, this is where I want to be for the rest of my career. And, you know, I've got contracted for next year, but I'd love to be able to play for as, as long as I can. And, and I feel that I've got another few years mm-hmm. left in me. And then from then on, you know, taking up the coaching range, if they, range if they want to, you know, play, play a coach at, at Collingwood or be play a coach somewhere else or then step into coaching, you know, by itself. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. But chose Collingwood and then, yeah, was able to live the journey. Was there any other clubs in Melbourne that you were – you were talking to or, or perhaps thinking that you may end up at? 
we'd spoken, well, my manager, I said at the beginning of that year, I was like, look, you focus on the club perspective of it all and then come to me when you desperately need to, but I'm just going to focus on playing footy. And that year at Freo, I think I finished sixth in the BNF, had a pretty strong year, able to play different positions forward and back throughout the year. And for me, that was all I focused on was, was footy, footy aspect, mm. family, let um, what was happening and let the, let the rest, itself. yeah, take care of itself. So Colin, you know, said there was a few other clubs that were interested at the time and for us it was like, all right, but what do I want to do the most? And and I said, yeah, I definitely want to be at Collingwood. So I was really happy. So you went from Fremantle, as we said, you know, one of two teams over there in, in Perth and um, or in WA and certainly under the microscope to Collingwood, which is one of, if not the biggest club mm. in the AFL in Australia, the biggest sporting club. You found yourself in in year one, you know, from the outside anyway, not not probably not in the in the form or or, or yeah form that that you probably wanted to be in, or maybe or perhaps not getting the opportunities that you wanted to, and that must have been hard because being at the this this huge club, there was a lot of scrutiny whether it was you know mainstream media or social media. How on earth do did you manage to continue to sort of function on a daily basis and turn up and then get to this place where you are now, where you have been playing extremely good football? You know, here you are talking about wanting to play more years, you know, playing coach and stuff like, talk me through that, what that period was like and how you, from a mental perspective, were able to work through that. I think like looking back on a snapshot of it now, it's probably the best thing that probably could have ever happened to me with me taking that next step into coaching to be able to live through that year, which I felt was personally like the worst year of my career mentally, that I've now got that kind of probably say understanding or you know empathy can under- can relate to it a lot more with what players may go through as a as a coaching perspective, but to live it within itself, yeah, it was extremely tough. Uh, it was I've, I've stated before that. There were times there where I'd, I'd be sitting in the car park, you know, balling my eyes out in a way of like, how do I get out of the car? How do I get into training? Um, and this is in the first season. Yeah. So new relationships, I, like at the club. You know. it, it was tough. There was, you know, Jesse White, funny enough, him and his young family plant-based. Yeah, I've spoken to Jesse. Yeah, but good, he, was, good he was great support for me. Jack, Chris, really good support. I think they were, they were two that really gave everything mm-hmm. Of themselves to me at the time, and then there were small ones that were building, you know, with with uh, Blairy and um, and Howie, and and then you know the likes of Steel, Pendles, Taylor. They, they were just building, and our new relationships were going to take time. Mm. But for me, it was it was really tough because I didn't really have anyone at the club, and I didn't really know anyone in the support staff in a way. You know, there was support staff there that were really great. You know, head trainer row and stuff that were really kind of always asking how you were going, but. Other than that, it was such a new environment and being at Freer, you kind of had you know, family there and then you're going into a new environment where you're trying to build another family and your brothers and everyone there. So it was really tough because you didn't really have too many people in my way. I was like, well, who do I bounce off and who do I relate to and who do I who can you try lean and help? On? Yeah, who can I lean on in a way? And the way it was all structured up, you know, it's as it's been said, you know, the whole thing that happened with Barks and everyone and it was a lot of hearsay like there was no real inside the actual internal walls like there was there was still support there but it was 
again, like we don't know each other. So we, how, how, you know, how much time, you give and time go. Time to build that relationship. Yeah. And the fact that you said before, Collingwood is one of the biggest powerhouses of the AFL. So the scrutiny that was coming on the club as is, you know, when the club, we weren't winning games, there was scrutiny. Bucks was out of contract. There was scrutiny. New people were in certain roles. There was scrutiny. Players, more scrutiny than, you know, out of me, I think it was me especially, but in Wellesley, that was scrutiny on Wellesley and then me. And so there was a lot of, you know, a lot of social media. Could you ignore that or, or you know, did you did you spend time reviewing any of the and, and you know, focusing your energy on social media or could you completely ignore it? Unfortunately, I'm someone that will, like I take everything on. So you need to know. So I, it wasn't until Brit deleted the AFL app, deleted, well, not deleted, but post, paused the old Instagram and social media. So I'd stop seeing and hearing it. I wouldn't read the papers if we went out for brekkie. I really took probably a few months where I'd be blank, just nothing coming in. And I felt like that really helped. Uh, but I knew through the season, I, I knew that I needed a, I needed a reset button. I needed something to give for me to, to take the next step. And we finally got to the end of that year and had an exit meeting. And I think there was just some really honest conversations. And I knew that I, I wasn't playing the footy I wanted. I'd come from a system under Ross where it was embedded in the way I'd played of this role orientated. And I probably wasn't playing the best footy I wanted, but again, I wasn't I was, it was an interesting situation. If you play VFL, Waffle or Sanford and then you take a next step to playing AFL, it's, it's such a different jump. So you're playing VFL and it's, you're playing as a forward. You know, you're reliant on everything from up the ground coming into you and I, wasn't, I didn't have those connections with the players to be able to understand when to lead and et cetera. So I did find it tough, but again, I wasn't playing my best footy and I think towards the end of the year, like mentally that was starting to weigh on me and I think the last game, the final against Richmond, I had a really good game. For the, to finish the season off. So that was, what was that, 2016? 2017. So the final, right. the final yep. game, Richmond, Port, Port Melbourne, we got beaten by Richmond and I was able to play a really good game. So you played a great game in the last game of that season. Um, you mentioned reset. Was that something that you you did sort of in the off-season or how did you how did you sort of come back with a, a different mindset in 2018? Uh, halfway through that year, I think, speaking with Brett and all the tough times that we were, we were dealing with week to week, I think the benefit was that Brit was going really well. She was killing it. And that made me so happy that mm. we'd made a decision to come to Melbourne and she was just thriving. And I was like, mm. if, if we were still in Perth and this was happening and she didn't have anything, we both would have been in the same position. Mm. So it wasn't like all your plans weren't, weren't working out. Everything off-field yeah. was going amazing. But everything on-field for me was not going great. Mm. So she was going really well. But we, we, we were just talking throughout the whole year and she was thinking of ideas of how to keep getting better and what we can do and really invested in, in my career. And then we got towards the end because I felt like at the time we weren't going to probably play finals and maybe it was a little sniff, but I don't think we were. Well, I mean, Bucks, people were calling for Bucks to be sacked yeah. halfway through the year. So just typical stuff like that, being at a big club and, and, and what was kind of the spotlights on. And I think from then on I was like, well... Let's just get to the end of the year. I'm probably not going to play anymore. So let's focus on getting VFL to finals, playing really well in the finals and hopefully maybe snaring one. And working closely with Riv, who's now at the Roos, he was great for me in, in that year, really supportive, kept driving me each week, each game, getting me to use my leadership out in the oval and, and that was refreshing. And then to be able to play little different positions here and there, like play the last few games on the wing and then able to like move forward, which was something that I spoke to him about and then... Went away that off season, 
kind of went to the gym Fit Impact right near us in Moorab and uh, worked with Louis, one of the trainers, and he'd been working with Brit prior in that year. And he was really good, got me to not think about footy and we just focused on, you know, health and fitness and then also hiring running coach Dom and, and Bowden who just helped with getting more speed and agility and stuff. And these are little things like, well, I'll work on that. So we had plans to go away in the off-season. We just said, no, nah, we're not going away. And we spent 12 weeks of pretty much training every day. I was like, I'm going to give myself the best opportunity to come back and be in a certain position to say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm in and let's, let's, let's play and let's get going. So first probably five weeks I hadn't played. I was been playing really well in the preseason, really well at VFL level. But at the AFL level as well, I think we the round two odds are possibly of coming in. But This is 2018 now. Yeah, possibly of coming in, but had a really deep corky. And I reckon I probably could have got up for the game, but it would have been selfish to say, yeah, play me just for sake of playing me because I probably wouldn't be able to play my best. So I missed that opportunity but played the next week and played really well. But so was you know, the people that I was playing fighting for their position as well. Like they were playing pretty well as well. So I was not bothered by that. I was like, yep, you guys are playing well. We're winning. You know, I'm doing what I need to do. We're winning. So I was really happy. And then lucky enough for the fixtures, the Anzac game, four-day break, I think, was able enough to get a, a crack and come back in the side from players being rested. And from that moment on, Ace James Ace, who's now he got injured that game. He's been playing on the wing. And then he was out for an extended period of time. So then it was just opportunity. After yeah. Opportunity. opportunity after opportunity came in for like two mm. weeks in a row. So how important is that consistency? You know I mean? Like we're talking about coming to a new team and learning how the different players are playing. Like how important is it to get that, re- those regular games? Oh, I think it's massive. I think you need to take, you know, minimum six games in a row to start building relationships. You know, VFL, AFL sometimes end up being on different programs, different schedules. And then being a part of the AFL side, like you need weeks to to build a relationship with them. And I think throughout that year, it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And and then you know this year was extremely the relationship throughout the whole club was, you know, they you you are family, so you're always on that path to become brothers and family and understand one another, the ticks and what makes them work and the trust that you build amongst your, your teammates. And I think for me, it just took time to get that done. And I came in for. That game against Richmond, I think it was like round seven and they didn't miss a game from there on because I was able to play my role and do what I do with just the amount of effort that I give. And I think I earned trust amongst my teammates and the coaches. And then I think throughout that year and, and then this year, they, they saw that the versatility I could play, you know, still play forward, wing and, and back. And I think that helped me when it came to to selection as well. Is it a different role now to what you were you were doing at Fremantle? Yeah, well, at Fremantle, I was, a, I was a pressure forward. Throughout stages of my career, I'd played in different positions, but you know, 90% would be forward and then played a little bit as a backman as well. But yeah, my, most of it was all, all forward. So to be able to now come and be pretty much 90% wing and then have maybe 8% as a backman and 2% as a forward has been, has been a massive change. But Something that I think really suits me is playing on the wing and and the trust that I've you know got amongst my teammates as well. So you you've managed to to build up your form and, and now be a very consistent part of of the team. And as I said before, the last two years you you know you haven't haven't won that last week, mm-hmm. but been been extremely close and and performed really well across the seasons and and beat really good sides and travelled well and and whatnot. Where do you where do you sort of see the list? at now and 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 how confident are you going into to next year 
Well, I think the list is extremely strong still. You know, when I first came, it was, I felt like a, a year to then play a final series, get a taste for that middle group all around the 50 games. And then you'd see hopefully another opportunity at it, an opportunity, an opportunity. But I think the system we actually have as a club is going to allow us for continued success. And the playing group we have, you know, led by Pendles and, and Bucks and all the support stuff around, I think still extremely strong. You know, losing JL, who's now head of Frio, put in a really good defensive system and, and worked closely with the other coaches. But I think something that we can really take and own ourselves without having him there, it's, it's you know, we've got Boydie who's going to step into his role and who's extremely across everything. So I think for us as a, as a collective of, you know, staff and players, I think we're in a really good position. But it comes down to, again, you know, there's going to be 18 teams all at the same spot at the beginning of the year. Seems to be getting closer and closer in terms of, you know, any side can almost beat any side. Oh, 100% any side can beat anyone. And I think we saw it again you know, this year, uh, there's if you don't rock up in a state that's prepared mentally and physically and you think that you'll just roll through, which in the past you kind of have rocked up certain games, being like, yeah, we'll get it done. If you do that mindset this this time around, especially, as you said, getting you know further and further on, more teams are going to, they're getting better and better. You'll get yourself found wanting and, and you'll fall short massively. And all it takes is a few players to drop off on game day. And then it puts the load on other players that have to then try and carry it. And if they can't, then you end up falling short. So I think if we can stay fit and healthy, I think that's the big key, staying fit and healthy and then, you know, anything's possible. But for us, you've just got to earn the right to play finals footy and then the real season starts. Um, As we've seen, you know, 18 grand final fell short. This year prelim fell short. So (laughs) you'd like to say we're thereabouts, but anything's possible in 2020. It can be one spectrum to the other, but we, we think that, the plans we have in place, the people we have in charge and leading us, and then the club as a collective, I think we're in a good position to keep pushing for continued success. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this episode. It's Simon here. Just a quick intermission to remind you that my book, The Proof is in the Plants, is now available. In this book, I cover common myths about plant-based diets, evidence showing the potential health benefits that are up for grabs, the positive impact eating plant foods has on the planet, and much more. To order your copy, head to plantproof.com forward slash book. Plantproof.com forward slash book. Okay, let's get back into it. Now we spoke about the, the your first year at the club and, and and you spoke about sort of in the off season working hard on your performance and not, and not going away. You spent 12 weeks training and, and, and worked on your, your running and your strength and whatnot. Throughout that season, right, coming to the new club, something that I think would be very interesting to understand is did did anyone at any point in time suggest that perhaps you needed to look at your nutrition? Uh, my wife, Britt, did. She was probably the big one. I think she, when she first met me and saw what I was eating or consuming, which I thought I was professional, she was mind-blown. She was shocked. And her influence on me as a person and my career is something that I'll never take for granted. I think the person I've become today, not only on and off the field, is someone that you, I'd strive to be. And I feel like each day I'm becoming better and and executing more things that I want to achieve. Now, obviously, as a father as well, stepping forward into that journey. But her her outlook on my or her investment in my career to help me be the best player I can be with recovery, with diet, with training is something that I'll look back on when my career is finished and be so thankful that 
I was able to meet someone like her in my probably journey and, and have that real investment and support into my career. I've always had, you know, two of my closest mates that have always supported me. Theirs is just your, your best mate friendship support. And then you've got your family and, and your manager and you're in a circle, which is really powerful. But yeah, to have her kind of look at my diet and say, look, I think this is where we need to change. It did start probably ethically mm-hmm. thinking, you know, we hate the fact that the animals are being treated the way they are because we love our dogs. And, you know, you can look mm-hmm. across other countries and other cultures where dogs are seen as in, you know, yeah, meat, et cetera. I mean, so uh, that brings up species and just how we view, we view different animals completely different. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And our ability to then go, well, we love animals. I've always, we've, get me wrong, you know, 20, was it not about 25 years or probably well, 27 mm. years of my existence, which, so you know, being a meat eater. Yeah, that connection's not there. It's not I mean, there. Like you spoke about before, it's it's kept very distant from everyone. Mm. You know, pretty packaging and I just and it, it was amazing in how my my eyes opened and I was like, well, you know, I'll see these videos. I can't watch them. So if I can't watch them, then why can I then eat them? That was what I was thinking. Like if I can watch it. And be like, no worries, and then eat it. That that was a connection that I was like, no, I can't watch it, can't hear the animals cry. It mm. it sickens me in a way. So that was how it first started. But then I was still kind of like a vegetarian in a way. So I was like, well, then we looked at like certain things of eggs, etc., and true. dairy and yeah. that. And it was like, well, whilst I'm there, like, why not be the best I can be? And that was when Britt and I had made a decision that we would be um, plant based and. From that moment on, it was all about just learning. Like throughout even my journey now to where I am, like I'm still learning each day of certain things. In the, yeah, fine-tuning like things in the, in the supermarkets and looking at labels and, you know, your clothing and, you know, what you use at your house, soaps, et cetera. Like there's so much that continues it's, to broaden our um, it's a, perspective. It's a, it's a big learning process, right? Like it's amazing once you start to look into things a bit more like just – you know, how many products you use animal products, mm. whether it is clothing or, or your food. So, but that, that first year, do you attribute any of your drop in form to, to sort of, you know, working your way through the, the new diet at all? No, not at all. I, I still felt that I was training harder than ever. I was doing extras in my own time with, you know, I had a performance now, Kevy. I was doing extras with him and Mickey in, in the Ultra G room. You know, I was doing altitude room, sorry. I was doing so many different aspects of training um, and really push myself to limit and then still, as I felt, feeling my body ready to go again. So I didn't think that there was any drop of being fatigued or tired or, or not having the strength. That was non-existent in my transition. I felt like I was stronger and fitter than ever. So it was more just finding your feet at a new club. Definitely finding my feet. And then I think it was still a transition in my diet because you're still I was still learning throughout the year. So there were certain things like I was pushing my body to the max but without feeling it prior and then feeling it after. So then I learned in the next year, well, how to have better, you know, breakfast, how to have a better breakfast and then how to support it after the exercise and then how to prepare it for the next, you know, weight session that we were doing. So that was things that I was learning along the way. And I'm fortunate being at Collingwood, we have an amazing chef and who really goes above and beyond for me to make sure all my meals and snacks and everything that I have are just... She's probably excited to cook something new. <laughs> she, she, she's an amazing cook. And without her there, mm. it would be extremely tougher 
not having that support at the club, but something that you could, you know, I could still be able to do at home and bring in. But again, to have that support there is is incredible. And, um, you know, that's helped with, you know, training perspective as well. But that's the difference from learning diet. And even now, like being able to, as we spoke about earlier in the piece, the Game Changers movie, be able to see what some of the athletes by just me going, all right, well, I'm hearing from athletes. I'm now going to, you know, jump into what they're doing and have a look at how they're preparing and what they're doing and be able to go, okay, well, now, you know, before weights, I might try beetroot juice. I might try, you know, two pieces of bread with some peanut butter and dates and stuff like that, you know, before weights and then after shake and keep my dinners that I, you know, massively, you know, we love cooking big dinners so I can keep them the same and then my snacks in and outside of, you know, your main meals. Like it's just each day you just finding, I feel like I've become Discovery. more of a foodie, yeah. more of a foodie now than I ever was before. Before it felt like I was a bit of a robot. You'd have your steak, your veg and potatoes and you'd move on. Now it's about actually looking at different types of foods, you know, jumping into having kale and stuff like tofu that I wouldn't have had prior but now that I love and I'm throwing in all my meals. One thing I probably haven't jumped full in is Brussels sprouts, but we're, we're getting there. Um, <laughs> Brussels. Yeah. So this, this, I just think I've become more of a foodie than ever and they're, I love my food. They're an acquired taste, mm. Brussels sprouts. Yes. So so talk me, I mean, you're right. It's it's. At, at the beginning, you know, one could sort of be forgiven to think to thinking, oh, I've got to give up so much stuff if I'm going to go plant-based. But, you know, you're you're gaining so much and so much abundance in terms of new flavors and foods mm. that most people are probably not currently eating. So it's it's in fact quite the opposite. Oh, 100%. I, I, yeah, I think the biggest thing for us was the fact that it was becoming more more of a mainstream being plant-based, we were seeing a lot more through social media, a lot more through, you know, the marketing perspective. And then it was us about, all right, well, we're seeing these things now. How can we adopt them or mm. how do we bring them into our kind of uh, lifestyle? So for us, then it was, you know, getting recipe books and then getting people on Instagram that, you know, are putting up their recipes and then, you know, using those and cooking stuff that you've put up. Like we, we, we love doing that. And then, you know, you dive into making your own stuff and then just mixing it all together. And yeah. Bob's your uncle, you I mean, you, you're you're explaining it perfectly because I think a lot of people at the start put so much pressure and stress, like you know, just getting it completely right overnight. Mm. But it's a, it's an evolution, it's a journey, it's an ongoing. You know, you're learning some, you're learning things now. Yeah, hundred percent. So you don't have to to sort of put that pressure on yourself to be perfect overnight. Oh, the amount of people that I speak to that go, oh, I, I hate that, and I'm like, well, I think about things that I've hated back in my journey. Let's say for sake, like there was things where I'd be like, well, did you like that to start with? And they'd be like, no. Nah. But I said, you like it now. So it's become a part of your taste palette. Like there's things you've just got to try without, you know, if you don't try it, then how would you know whether you like it? And that's something that I probably say to my friends and family the most. And my mum and dad have always said, try it before you, you know, dislike it in a way. So that's always benefited me that I'm happy to try anything. Mm. And then you become a quiet taste where you can't live without it. So, um, you know, it's everything that we have, I love. And, you know, the best thing about it, once I've eaten a massive, plateful you know the next part of me is not oh, i'm not heavy or feeling yuck i'm like well i probably could eat a bit more to be honest like it's that good so i think that's saying like going forward you, you continue to learn you continue to adopt you know different styles techniques and and then yeah all the food that you kind of intake you just know it's quality mm. and 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 you know what works for you, you yeah know, what what did i have for breakfast did i train well after that and you start to piece it together for you yeah you know, like quite customized but the the feeling lethargic after a big 
steak or something. That that was one of the the first things that I realized when I transitioned on like how light I felt yeah. after a meal. The amount of people that say to me like, oh, I feel so heavy and I'm like, well, I feel so light. Like it's some people say I feel amazing after having a steak. No worries. Like I'm not telling you not to. I'm, you know, I'm, this is just what I do and how I feel and, and how I perform. And um, I think for me, the yeah, like you said then, the, the whole feeling after what you eat, you know, I, the amount of times I've woken up just feeling like refreshed, energized, slept well, good nutrition in me, it's just a great way to start your day. Talk me through what a what an actual day of eating looks like for you. You mentioned some snacks before, but you know, on an ideal day when you're you're in season, mm. what's a what's a breakfast, what's a lunch, what's a, a dinner look like? Yeah, so well, on a game day it would be like breakfast would be oats, banana, raspberry, blueberries, peanut butter, and maple syrup, chia seeds, pretty much coconut flakes, everything thrown yeah. into that bowl, and then coconut water on the side. And then going to probably lunchtime before heading off, it would be either like a, a tempeh kind of sandwich or I would have a peanut butter and, and jam sandwich. So that would kind of alter between each one. Um, and then rocking up to the game, didn't like to eat too close to the game, so I'd have just banana or there's actually like different, you can still get lollies and stuff like that mm. that have got no gelatin and stuff in it. So I'd have maybe some of those as well. To get some sugar in. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So that was... That would be my typical game day kind of stuff. But then during season, my snacking is something that I need to continue to work on. So my breakfast would either be, you know, wheat bix, chia seeds, all in one, or I'd have massive porridge, same thing on actual training mornings. Then I'd have probably a banana or two before going out, train, come in, straight away hydrate, and I'd, they've got coconut water for me, which is great. And then if not, you know, water, stuff like that, all substantial and then pretty much into lunch and then through lunch through our amazing chef Anne she would either have like a tofu coconut curry brown rice all different types of salads green beans broccoli all you could think of Are the other lunch. boys getting around any any of that well that it, they do get the exact same kind of sides and stuff but then they would have their own um you know dishes or whether it was chicken meat fish and you do see players. Are they leaning over, Manny? What do you got today? Pretty much. Well, some of them lean over. Some have a dabble. Some like to try a bit. Uh, Pendles loves just to maybe probably shit stir a bit and and take me tofu or tempeh off the off the grill. But a lot of the boys, whether a little bit of banter or not, but some of them actually have a look. And what have you got today? On how does that go? And how do you feel after it? So it always opens up. Natural, funny enough, opens up a, a conversation. Mm. And then from there, it's the, that's the next bit that I'll be well, what I'll be trialing this year is I've had my lunch. I've got probably another hour before weight starts. The in between part, you know, I'll probably have a piece of toast, peanut butter on it, maybe a bit of banana as a starter, or a beetroot juice. And then when I finish, having my brown rice protein shake. And then on the way home, I'll probably have another banana. Get home. So you're doing a couple sessions most days. Pretty much, we do two a days, and however hard you kind of want to work. So you've got to eat quite a few calories, I guess, to, yeah. to be able to keep your body weight from dropping off during the season. Yeah. I think that's like for me, again, little things that I'm seeing on social media through following people and how to kind of count or make sure I'm getting the quite amount. Working through with M, our nutritionist, she's really good at that as well. So she's she's put out a few little plans for me over the journey that I've been able to follow. So everything that I'm kind of taking, I feel like I'm roughly around the right mark. And then coming into dinner, like a massive dinner, like we love our tofu bowls or tempeh bowls. So it's just brown rice, avocado, you know, hummus, sprouts, you know, all the 
greens and coloured vegetables you can think of and potatoes and that's our bowl just to the brim. Can't um, eat those things all day. Exactly. Day. <laughs> so, And then we've, like, I've mixed around and floated through the ideas and cooked different pastas and um, different tofu dishes and scrambled tofu, et cetera. So tried different variations, but that's our mainly, mainly our staple for dinner. And then for a snack, like, you know, I'll either I've made sometimes banana breads or brownies or, you know, mousses, funny enough, avocado, cacao powder and banana, and there's your chocolate mousse. Beautiful. So things like that that I'll make and have for probably a dessert, and then that's probably the, my day of of intake. So that sometimes it, it it changes, but like I said, you become more aware of your food and what you're doing. You just trial different things. So from chickpeas, beans, tofu, lentils, all of it, you know, it all goes in at some stage or if not all together. And you become a little bit more sort of intuitive, I guess, you know, yeah. more confident you are and, and more months that go past yeah. as, as you're sort of experimenting with all these, these different foods, which are quite mm. new to a lot of people. Yeah. I think for me it was like I was, everything I was eating, it, it was all more back of my mind. I was always kind of assessing how I was training, how I was going, how I was feeling. And like I feel like everything was ticking along to the point where I felt, yeah, I feel pretty great. Like it wasn't like I needed to readjust or yeah. tinker with it. What was, what was your diet like before, like when you were playing for Fremantle? Yeah, it wasn't great. When you look back on it now, like I was, you know, breakfast, I'd never really eat brekkie. Brekkie, like I, I just couldn't eat breakfast. Um, if not, it'd be, I'd always used to have milk and wheat bix mm. and obviously changing to almond milk or soy milk, but I'd always feel really sick after like going out to train and I think that's what really put me off breakfast because I would always have that sickly feeling in my stomach. So you thought it was more just the fact that you'd eaten not necessarily the dairy at that point in time? Yeah well I I felt that at the time I couldn't quite figure out what was making me feel sick and I was like looking back at my breakfast I was like well I'm having wheat bix or some of that with a banana and I just felt so crook and sometimes it would come up during the session so I would end up steering away from having any breakfast, maybe a piece of toast and then go out and train. So I thought it might just be I don't like food before training a big mm. session. So then I'd go out, come back in, and then it would be for lunch we'd have these big silver buffet styles of chicken and meat and then some salads on the side. And sometimes after having that before going into weights, I just felt, yeah, felt real heavy. Um, Is that similar to the to the sort of food that the other players at Collingwood would be eating as well? Not overly, no, because when Ange cooks, it's – it's actually funny. It's quality in my mind. Like she does put a lot of effort into it, but yet you're still going to get your your, your beef or your chicken or maybe there's fish a lot at more time. plants there as well. But there's a lot more plant based, like vegetables, beans, your broccoli, a lot of different sides that the boys will throw in. But they still do obviously get meat, and you know that's not again, like I said, not anything against them. They do them, I do me. But that was what I'd be having at Frio, and then I wouldn't really have a shake because I didn't want to have the milk after. So, and I wasn't getting told, well, how about try almond milk or soy milk or something alternative. So I wouldn't really have a shake. So I'd then go home and then have another piece of chicken or fish or meat and with a few veggies and a potato. And that would be me. And then for dessert, it'd be like a massive dairy milk chocolate bar. Mm. And I'd feel so yuck after it. But in that moment, I felt like, yeah, this is amazing. But then after, I'd feel so yuck. So, and then wake up the next day and do it. Wake up, do it all over again. And that was it. Like having lollies nonstop and. That's again, I look back on it now and go far out. Like that's how I'd have all that stuff and that intake of, you know, from meats to, to dairy. And then, you know, whilst being a, an elite sportsman mm. at the same time, 
So, yeah, to see the transition and change, like I said, weights stayed the same, feeling light and fresh has been a benefit. And, you know, I've heard over the journey from other sportsmen and other people that it didn't work for them and stuff like that. And, again, I, I just think, well, again, it's an, it's not something you just trial. It's a kind mm. of like a change in a journey. You can't just ha- hope for a quick fix, you know, trial it but actually live it. And I think over over time you'll see a beneficial change that will suit you personally, not only healthy on the inside but healthy on the outside. I agree. And you, you mentioned game changes before and, it's, you know, it's one of the top viewed Netflix documentaries of all time already. Mm. Um, and it's having an enormous impact on getting a lot of messages. You said that, you know, a lot of your friends and, and, and people that you know are messaging you. You know, there's been criticism of the movie and, and various debunkings and whatnot. And, and I think I might do a, an episode where I go through some of those. But at the end of the day, the, the message is that is in the documentary is you can perform at the top on a plant-based diet if you want to. And going back to what you just said then, I think one of the best things is if you're confused by debunking in the documentary is just to give it a go mm. and give it a go and adopt it and see how it feels for you and give it time. Mm. Give it enough time to let your body recalibrate, readjust. You're going to be you know, putting different foods into your stomach you haven't eaten before yeah. and see the results for yourself. I, I agree. I think everything you do, you've got to want to do it yourself. There's so many things we get told out there and everything gets marketed in the right kind of way, shape or form to draw you into that lifestyle. But anything you want to do, ask questions, get advice, take what you need to take in and filter that yourself and then trial it. And uh, in my mind, I'm guaranteed you'll see benefit and you'll see progression, you know, not only through your journey of a sportsman, but also, you know, in life in general, being healthier, not only on the inside, but on the outside. And I do think though it does come down to having the right support. You know, so if you're a young player at a, you know, a junior club, you know, your nutritionist or doctor might not see it that way. They may not probably put forward the idea of being plant-based. So there you've got to make a decision. And this is in AFL and, you know, VFL and even playing cricket, football, golf, the whole lot. I think you've just got to understand that you're doing something for you. So don't, if someone disagrees with what you're doing and how you view, you know, the world and the food and animals, et cetera, just take a step back and go, okay, well, that's your opinion. This is something that I want to try because there's always people out there that are willing to help. And I think you can always tap into different resources and the amount of opportunity we have now with social media and the ability to touch base with people that are willing to help, it's extremely easy, but it it will take time. So I, I say give it a go, embrace it, but don't expect quick fixes. Just enjoy the journey because you will see benefit. Absolutely. And and be prepared to invest a bit of time. It's like, mm. you know, it's not as not as hard as learning Mandarin or a new language, but you you are you're learning a, a new way to eat and you're unlearning some things. So, you know, you need you need to invest in the time and, and get the right people around you, like you've said. Yeah. Well, I feel my inner circle has been great. Not only having Brit, her mum and dad as well, um, they pretty much um jumped on board straight away. And it's again, it would start off with the animal side of it, but then, you know, how can you continue to benefit yourself? And then we look at a globally thing, you know, climate, et cetera. I think there's always benefit to something. There's smoke, there's fire. So the person I've become and, and still striving to be and the family that, you know, we're kind of upbringing of, of our own young daughter now, there's all things that we can continue to learn. Um, and we'll, we'll lean on people like yourself. We'll lean on other athletes that are out there to keep helping us get better. And, you know, over the last couple of days, you've obviously 
had a fair few messages from there, from me asking information and that's all it is. You know, all you can do is ask a question and then whatever the answer yeah, is, of you, you filter it and you can take it for everything it's uh, there's, worth. There's so much information out there now. Mm. If you can if you can drill down and find people that you trust, there, there's a lot of people that are that are willing to help. Back to to the club and, and game changes. I have a feeling now that game changes has come out that you know some of your teammates may or, or may not, or, or friends in your 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 uh, group of friends away from football might be coming to you with a little bit more interest mm. in in perhaps changing their diet. Has have any of the other players reached out to you? Is there anyone there that you think what? would be particularly interested in it? I've had a couple of uh, probably the younger kids that I've had to of that I've worked with in the past a couple from Sandy and then you know my manager's young boy has seen it and and then you know one of the young kids I built a relationship at Frio who's you know grown up to be a decent young fella they've all seen game changes and then straight away just messaged me hey mate I've seen this documentary it's really opened my mind what are your thoughts how do I go about it the simple questions and then I've pretty much just either written up a what I kind of do, what we've spoken about before, I've written up that and then and some of the vitamins I take and I've just sent it through to them. Mm. So this is what I do. Have a look at it and then I've tagged yourself and a few other people on Instagram, have a look at what they do and then just learn it and, and embed certain things, you know, because it might not be you, you straight away take the jump to a plant base. You may go vegetarian. You may, you may weed your way through mm. and you'll find what works for you. At the club within itself, you know, I've obviously put it up on my social and I've, tapped into a few people like Pendles loves knowledge he's he's all over it and, and he really embeds into it I don't think he's full plant-based but I think he's pretty close so he loved looking at at the documentary thought it was great knowledge I've sent it to a, a few of the young boys like Brownie and and Q and, and they've jumped into it and their thought was geez they're mind blown whether they adapt to it or not or think it's you know worth it for them um but it, as you said it, it, it may be that you know when you sit down and have lunch with them this year that you notice that they're they're just having less animal mm. products and they're they're putting more plants on their plate. You know? Yeah, hundred percent. Any changes like that are great. Yeah, well, and then I've had you know Braden Maynard is America, and I think he was at the time, and sent what was that documentary? Anyone to watch it? And and then I've had Jaden Stevenson, which is probably the the funniest one of them all. His palate is very simple, so for him to <laughs> what's he eat? He's a very simple person in, in, in a good way. He, he loves his his he's wheat bix. Damn good player. Loves his wheat bix with a full bowl of milk. He has more milk than he has wheat bix. But I think for him it was. I think he saw it, and I think well he thought well maybe he could try to change his habits. So I think he's he started. I, I will check in with him and see how he's how he's still going. But again, it's just it's knowledge and trial and error for him as well. There are players there that will laugh and and there's no chance in the world that they'll ever change. But you're always going to get a mix of people. Yeah, I think the best thing about it is that I think from even like a club perspective of all probably clubs across you know the competition where I've seen you know Luke Parker I think's become vegan. He touched base with me. There's other players now that have come out that have been, you know, probably plant-based before that now are fully plant-based. And I think it's really starting to, you know, change gear in that way of becoming a game changer with more athletes thinking, well, how can I benefit myself and probably get the better out of myself through little changes of diet? So I think it is taking a little shift and a little change. And it's just, like you said before, it's opening up more of a conversation. That's probably the biggest game changer of all that it allows people to talk about that. And I think 
that within itself is pretty big. Once you can open up and have a conversation about it and then look at little ways to get better, and I stand back to when I first rocked up being one almond milk container and then realising as I'd go to the fridge in the afternoon, it was all gone. So I'd be speaking to Ange and she's like, well, yeah, I think more people are starting to use it now. So it's now we've got instead of one, it's eight. You know, that a container sitting there, well, less if, milk uh, and tartans. If, uh, if Jaden jumps on board, you might have to up that from I know. eight to He does eight have a lot of milk. 11. He does have a lot of milk. So, <laughs> but he's, yeah, I think if I'd have known what I knew now back when I first started playing, like the incredible thought of like if I could have been plant-based at the beginning and had Brit in my career at the beginning, how much different my career would have been. I would have still had all these learnings that I've learnt, learnt across the journey but how much better of a player could I have been? Because I feel like what I've been able to have output-wise and have the right people around me to be able to recover faster, I think that would have benefited me in my first years because I, in my first years I had a lot of problems with OP and stress fractures and I knew my off-field stuff wasn't helping. Like I look back on it, it couldn't have been helping. So if I'd have had this mentality, which, you know, a lot of – it's amazing how all the older players or your parents say just, you know, the learnings that they would learn, which is always going to happen. But if I had adopted a plant-based diet, how much better could my career have been? And that's what I, I think about a lot. Hey, friends, me again. Quick note to let you know I have a brand new, completely complimentary two-week plant-based meal plan on my website. Inside contains delicious breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack recipes, along with a complete breakdown of the nutritional information for each. Whether you're looking to add one plant-based meal to your weekly regime or go full plant, I'm sure you'll find this resource helpful. You can get your copy today at plantproof.com forward slash meal plan. That's plantproof.com forward slash meal plan. Okay, let's get back into it. It's amazing for, for young players to hear that now. It's, mm. it's, it's great that you're, you know, you're so confident now to, to just be open and, and talking about it as well and, and help yeah. start this conversation. Well, I, I've always been a big believer of like I'll happily talk about it and I probably don't know all the information because the amount of times my mates or people will stump me on questions, I, I, I don't know the answer. Like I can't help you with that. Like I, you may say this is doing that to me or et cetera, or what about this or what about that? I'm just like, I don't know. So I'm not going to try and answer it, but I know it's working for me. So mm. I'll do me, you do you. If you like what I'm doing, come on board and we'll work together. Otherwise, I don't have any issues. Like I'm, I'm not stressed out or I don't get worried or that people are doing certain different things. I've just always been, I'll do me. And if you want to jump on board, great. It's a great way to do it. You mentioned before uh, vitamins, which we didn't touch on. So what what supplements do you regularly take? So I take a B12 supplement. So working with my doctor and nutritionist, I take a B12, uh, a zinc, and take a vitamin D. They're my main three. And then I'll have like a magnesium or a vitamin C kind of tablet. But yeah, they're my main three, and B12, that, um, zinc. And- the, the protein shake after... After your strength, yeah. So protein shake after after that as well. And we've um, speaking with nutritionists. We we seeked out a, a a vegan nutritionist just from obviously having a, a little girl now, just to see if we can adapt some more things into our diet and um, just working on um, DHA. I think it is and omega yeah. threes and stuff. So little things like that that we're trying to find ways from either getting it through food or or getting it through um, you know a supplement in that way. Speaking of now being a father, and um, you've had your obviously you've had your little girl arrive. Mm. How's that changed your your life? 
It's been crazy. Every bit of existence evolves around her now. You try and work off your day with her sleep times, funny enough. She's been really good. She's won a few nights where she's beaten us, <laughs> um, but we've won a few as well. So I couldn't have been more in love with my wife and what she went through at the time and and then to see our beautiful little girl come out, it was it was really crazy and a surreal experience. And still to this moment, like I, you know, I'm not really sitting there thinking, "Geez, I'm a dad." Mm. Um, it hasn't quite sunk in. No, it hasn't hasn't sunk in at all. I do say there's a lot of admiration for the fathers that have played footy whilst having a kid. You know, Crispy and Pendles when they were playing. It's um, really challenging, I think, in the aspect of you've got to be able to prepare yourself to play. Mm. train hard whilst you've obviously got a newborn. So, How old is your little girl now? She'd be three and a bit weeks now. So, okay. so you guys timed it, timed it we nicely have, with the off-season. We have timed it really, <laughs> really well. And I think in future if we're going to have obviously the second, third on, we will definitely be trying for an off-season. But, yeah, we can't always plan everything. So, But I think having having her has been amazing. My wife's got a, um, a baby collection as well. Like she started her own clothing company, which is – 100% um, certified What's organic cotton, rose and beige. Okay, cool. So she's postponed a lot of probably her work while she's going through the last phase of pregnancy and and into this new phase of becoming a mum. But once she gets a handle of a bit more routine and stuff, she'll dump, jump back into really um, into the business. But, you know, that was something as well we, we, we looked at and for her to have, you know, probably – that life after modelling as well of, of having her own business, a clothing label that she believes in and, and being it that it is, yeah, 100% certified organic, clothing, affordable. We thought well, if we're going to have a family, well, we want to put the best on her. So at the moment she's got a massive wardrobe she can choose from, <laughs> um, just like her mum. But, you know, for us going forward, it's about everything about her. Um, what can we do to best raise her? How can we look after her the most? Friends and family, you know, we we literally pave through anything to to make sure she's safe and, and well. So we're doing everything from a nutrition base to to give her the best chance of growing up nice and big and strong. You know, we don't leave any stone unturned. So everything's really enjoyable at the moment, which is good fun. There there must be some some interest, I guess, from whether it's people at the hospital or friends and family about how you're going to raise her in terms of her nutrition. Has that been something that has yeah, come up? Yeah, that's come up regularly, not only amongst um, friends and family uh, but, yeah, you, you're close people as well asking questions of how you're going to do it. I think, again, I, like whether they're doing it in a, you know, a malicious way or not by saying, you know, how can you be like you raise your child vegan, it comes down to knowledge again. People just don't understand and know. And Yeah, I, th- I think probably they, ha- they have good intentions. It's coming from a, a place of, of fear or worrying mm. more than anything. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I agree with that. I just think they the, they ask questions probably because they don't know. But in saying that, like sometimes the questions can be very front confronting because, like, well, of course we're going to do the best for our child. Like, why wouldn't we? Like, we've 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 seeking out a lot of information. That is knowledge is power. We're seeking out information from other people and and nutritionists and doctors that are plant based. And it's something that can easily be done. It's crazy to think how people hear the word plant-based or vegan and baby and they start thinking that well, why are you going to starve your child it's like are you serious like think about what we eat you know and what we're doing how we're not starving ourselves so why would we starve our child so yeah it's the it's the old sensationalized headlines yes you know, which unfortunately capture everyone's attention and 
you know, misrepresent the the overall diet. And um, I can see how, you know, if people have very little understanding of what a vegan diet is and then read those headlines, mm. I can see how they're scared. But as you said, the knowledge is power. Yeah. Um, and a baby can certainly thrive on a diet without oh, animal products. 100%. Um, I just think now, like if I was, you know, if I was a child and I'd be raised on a plant-based diet, like, I just think there's so much benefit, so much upside. You know, you're not having all the other stuff in your system. I just think it's beneficial. You spoke then about resources and the importance of getting the knowledge. If if you're going to make this decision for your child, actually spending the time to develop the skills required to make sure that you're giving them the nutrition they need to thrive. Is there a dietitian or nutritionist in particular that you've been working with that you've found has been quite helpful? At the moment, we're just probably touching base with a few different people. We're, we're sourcing out everyone. I think Amanda... Oh, yeah, Amanda Benham. Benham, yeah. yeah. So we, we touched base with her. Yeah, um, she's up in Brisbane. Yeah, the fact that she you know, raised her children plant-based as well. So we, we touched base and had a you know an hour and a half Skype session to you know nut out kind of where we were sitting with everything. But again, you know, we're, we're resourcing doctors out there that are that believe in a plant-based diet. You know, we've seen other doctors and and nutritionists that aren't fully believing of it, but are willing to help. And I think we've found if you're not if you're not really believing in it, you're not probably doing the the best for us because you're not really researching. Might not stuff be across like that. the information. Yeah. So Has that been challenging for you? Again, I've you know, Brit's she's amazing because she her willingness to research and question and dive into it and ask the right people. You know, she's across everything. So for her, it's she's running the ship and and steering it at the same time. So I'm just trying to be a part of it and where I can help out. But yeah, she's fully across everything. The the people we've seen so far put us in a really good position of what we need. But we believe with the stuff that we learned for ourselves, it's only beneficial that we've got a lot of, you know, background information that will will help us. It's just the small little adjustments that can and you know that we can help her with as well. And if anyone listening is plant-based and, and perhaps wanting to have a, a baby or uh, are currently pregnant, is there any any bits of advice or tips that you have in terms of, you know, dealing with comments from other people or, or finding out the facts? Oh, the, the amount of, I think the amount of probably eyebrow raising or um, snappy comments that you might get and sometimes a little bit of banter, but behind a little bit of banter, there's always that little bit of seriousness, I think, sometimes. so Particularly uh, when it's about you, you yeah, know, newborn. I, I think it is, yeah. So when you get that, I think you, you've got to be able to take it with a grain of salt you, because, one, that they don't know all the right information. You know, two, if they knew exactly what was going in their own body, they would be disgusted and want to change. But I think just, just take it with a grain of salt, lean on the people that have been there and done it and utilise your resources around you. I think the best thing that I'd say to them is to challenge their friends and, and family and other people that you don't need to have those comments, you don't need to make those remarks. Be a yes support network, be we've got you kind of support network because sometimes going through the pregnancy and the amazing miracle it is of of having a baby and the challenges that you face you just need people to be a yes people and how can I help people they start questioning you all the time it can become draining within itself not only you're worried about the baby and how everything's going you've got your inner circle and support network that are challenging you as well so I think yeah just take it for a grain of salt 
find the information out yourself, lean on other people that have done it, do the research because there are, you know, there are nutritionists, doctors, other people like, you know, myself that are out there that have done it and always willing to, to help and, and lend a helping hand. Beautifully put. Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. You're doing amazing things. You're an amazing example for not only your teammates and other AFL players, but, you know, people across Australia that are aspiring athletes and 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 now may just be thinking about adopting a plant-based diet. So thank you so much for what you're doing. No, I love that. Um, obviously, like you said before, it's been a kind of uh, in the works of getting this conversation done. But, um, yeah, no, happy to, to lend out my thoughts. And to everyone out there, I think I've had close friends and family that have touched base, you know, use social media, touch base, always willing to help and, and um, you know, keep the plant-based diet going. How can they connect with you on Instagram? Uh, I am getting a bit better at probably speaking back to people. Um, I've had a lot of close friends having a laugh and I should do more live chats, which is very <laughs> funny. But I think, yeah, there are some people now that I've, I am touching base back with through the DMs and just yeah. just being able to give a bit of information about what I do. So, yeah, happy to help out and in that regard. at Chris Main? Yeah, at C Main. Okay, three, I think. Perfect. Yeah. I'll put that into the show notes so people can find you. Yeah, again, look, I'm, I don't touch base with everyone. I, pre, I do apologise if I miss you, but I will be willing to, uh, to help as many people as I can. And like I said, if, you, if you're in Melbourne, get down to the trainings, come to events, come and see me, come have a chat. I'm always better in person than I am on social media. And at the very least on social media, you can you can follow Chris's journey. Yeah, there's some things that I put up there that um, that I'll start doing. But um, yeah, my wife, she's amazing. Things that she puts up there, you can definitely dive into. And, and the work that she's doing with her, with her um, clothing brand and, and raising a beautiful little girl is something that I you know, admire as well. So can't wait for the, the next step in 2020. Mm, great work, mate. I uh, really love this conversation. Best of luck for next year. I hope you guys win the flag. Yeah, cheers, mate. There we go, friends. For all the international listeners out there, I now declare that you go for Collingwood. And for all of the Aussies that don't go for Collingwood, Chris may now be your favourite player from the opposition. It's nice to to see the soft and, and considered side of an AFL player, isn't it? a sport that really is known for its toughness. If you are unfamiliar with the sport and would like to see it, I encourage you to go to Google and search AFL Big Bumps and you really will get a feel for how tough this game is. Before we wrap this one up, there there was quite a lot of information in this episode about food and, and I realise there may be bunch of guys and girls listening, potentially some some other AFL or WAFL players and, and professional athletes who, who are new to this whole plant-based way of eating. And that's, that's super cool. I'm glad you're here. I want to give you a few parting tips to help you. I, I have quite a few blogs on, on things like protein, fiber, blood tests, soy, topics that you're probably thinking about. So check them out at plantproof.com. All of that information is completely free. One of the most important things I've created is the healthy plant-based food pyramid, which again, you can find at plantproof.com or also on my Instagram account at plant underscore proof. This pyramid shows you the various food groups that you want to try and be eating with, with some guides on how many serves a day, which Obviously varies depending on your size, your goals, and, and your activity level. Supplementation-wise, Chris covered exactly what I would recommend. A, a good protein powder for anyone who's doing regular exercise to, to help with recovery. 
vitamin B12, vitamin D, and a, a DHA, EPA, omega-3 algae oil, which you can now get all in one. Check out at Nutrikind or Nutrikind.com, spelled N-U-T-R-I-K-Y-N-D, for, for more information on that all-in-one supplement, which really is the perfect way to bulletproof a plant-based diet. I would also highly recommend going back and listening to previous episodes of this show with the doctors and, and the episode 84 titled, What Does a Healthy Plant-Based Diet Look Like? Finally, remember, like I said, you're always going to have people trying to debunk things like the Game Changers documentary. Think about it like this. If, if you're a proponent for or selling an animal-based paleo diet or a keto diet to your community and then Game Changers comes out, you would feel threatened. It challenges what you've been promoting to your community. Thus, we've seen a handful of, of such folks spend hours tearing the document apart or trying to. The simple fact is, it's a documentary. It's a story. It's impossible to include the totality of the evidence in two hours. Trust me, I've spent hours, hundreds and hundreds of hours month by month communicating this message. Game Changers has done a great job raising awareness. They've shown it's possible to compete at the top level, eating only plants, and and we know that it's the best way to avoid chronic disease and, and also to help our environment. So why not give it a go? So with that said, the movie hit home. Keep researching and give it a go. I bet after eight weeks, you won't go back. But properly commit, genuinely commit. Take some time to learn about the new foods you'll be eating. And with the new knowledge you pick up, I have no doubt you will feel the power of plants. And I'm absolutely certain you will have a newfound appreciation for the food you put into your mouth three, four, five times a day and how it makes your body feel. Okay, that's it for this one. If you enjoyed this episode, please let Chris and I know on social media and leave a review on iTunes. Look forward to catching you in the next episode.